Visit pixelcutlabs.com STL or text STL to 31996. Pixel Cut Labs, welcome to page one. Directive is an industry-leading search marketing agency fully focused on helping B2B marketing teams increase their results. If you're looking to increase your marketing qualified leads and decrease your cost per acquisition for search engines, I'd highly recommend you take a look at their site. We've actually had their CEO, Garrett Marguth, on the show, and I can honestly say these guys are doing some great stuff. I hear that they even have their own analytics system that lets you correlate your SEO, PPC, or content efforts directly to revenue. If you're a B2B company and thinking about switching agencies, or if you're in-house and need help, I'd give Directive a look. Visit directiveconsulting.com or call 949-214-4024. Again, that's 949-214-4024. Again, that's directive at directiveconsulting.com. Your website analytics data probably feels like this. But it could feel like this. Making sense of all the website data available to you hasn't been easy until now. Smilelytics transforms your website analytics data into easy-to-understand memorable photographs. You pick your own photo theme. Smilelytics. S-M-Y-L-E-Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier. And it's free at smilelytics.com. Want to know how your website is doing? Get the big picture with pictures. It's the easiest and most enjoyable way to understand your website data. No charts, no graphs, no cost. Sign up today. Smilelytics. S-M-Y-L-E-Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier at smilelytics.com. Get your questions in on Twitter. Type hashtag search talk live and your question. Now back to the show. Back uh, to the show, guys. We are, it's time for that, in, who influences the influencer? And that's sponsored by Pixel Cut Labs. Um, John, we want to know who influences you. You as an influencer yourself, uh, who do you kind of pay attention to to get your information? When it comes to search, I pay attention to Brian Dean, Matt Barbie, Rand Fishkin, uh, probably a lot of the normal folks that a lot of people would talk about. Now, I mean, they're paying attention to people at Google or that are doing much more technical research-driven content. Cyrus Shepard, he would be another one. Yeah. Um, I pay attention to them and what they're sharing for sure for up-to-date information but for me these days it's mostly just watching what I'm seeing happen on a day-to-day basis Sure. in, in the search results on our site as well right Cool, John. We've got to get back to that headline issue because I think it's one of the critical elements for writing successful copy Listening to an interesting blog the other day from our folks, uh, our friends at NPR called um, Things You Should Know, and they had an interesting discussion of fear versus reward and some of the newer evolving research on that. 
So, John, what's your opinion? If you've got to write an approach, is it better to use a fear appeal? Oh, my God, you're going to miss out on this. Or a reward appeal? Or how do you make that judgment? Because I see in your headlines you're a master of both. It depends on the dominant emotion for the for the topic. So if I am writing a piece on drunk driving, it's probably going to be a fear-based headline. If I am writing a post about how to get into an Ivy League school, it's probably going to be a reward-based headline. And that's because of the dominant emotions that people feel. So my goal when I'm writing content with, with the headline itself isn't to try to create a ton of emotion. It's to tap into the emotion that's already there. Mm, well said. So the big question to ask yourself whenever you're considering emotion is to think about what, what is the dominant feeling that people have. Now, there are going to be all sorts of feelings, but which one is the most common and also is the strongest amongst the type of people I want to reach? And that's what you should do. You know, the, that podcast had an interesting discussion that fear appeals are more effective today in 2020 than they were pre-social media because pre-social media, we didn't know what we didn't know, meaning we didn't know what we were missing out on. And so now we have a greater perspective of the things that we are potentially missing out on. And that whole FOMO concept has created a greater opportunity for fear appeals because we are more aware of the things that we're missing out on. And I thought that kind of made sense. And I think you kind of see that yeah. reflected more and more in, in headlines now. I think that's true because I think fear is becoming a more dominant emotion right now. Mm. And I mean, for me, for me as an, as a marketer, that makes some things easy for me as a person, I find that scary. Um, you find that scary in what way? I find it scary that we're transitioning toward people feeling more fear than they used to. And that I think our reactions to each other and our level of thinking around any issue, it doesn't matter what it is, um, it, it only gets worse when you're coming from a place of fear. Yeah, very true. And, and by the way, I read an article about you and your philosophy on fear, uh, which was super inspiring. And I would encourage people just to uh, Google your name. And uh, there's quite a few great articles written about you. But uh, there's one, I believe, where someone wrote about the things that they've learned from you on that. And uh, your philosophy about fear was just uh, amazing. But we got to take a little bit of a different angle, Robert, because we know our, our listeners. And there's probably folks listening to the show who are going, hey, this is good stuff, but I'm probably not going to be the writer, but I need to hire a writer. And you and I meet a lot of people who have gotten burned by hiring a writer. John, what tips can you give folks listening to the show who say, I'm not going to write this, but I want to hire a good writer? How can they make sure that they're hiring a great writer? So the, the best thing, the most important thing to pay attention to is have they been able 
to get the result that you're going for in the past? And do they have the training needed to do it? So what that means in terms of search is if you are going to hire a writer, look at the content that they've already written and ask yourself, what's the on-page optimization like here? So if you're going to read one of the articles, don't ask yourself what the topic is, because this is one of the big lessons I've learned. It doesn't actually matter if my writer knows anything about my topic. Um, what matters is what their skill level is in on-page optimization and being able to construct an article that will dominate the competition for that keyword. Okay, so that's key. So you're saying that a great writer should be able to master topics that they're not familiar with. Am I listening to you correctly? Yes. So, so you're of the school topic. that says a great salesperson can sell anything. And the reason why is <laughs> when I, whenever I hand out material to writers, I always start with a content brief. And one of the sections on that brief is the three posts that are the closest competition. Their oh. job is to beat those three posts. Okay, so now you're, by the way, you brought up something that we, we need to surface quickly, yeah, which really. is the whole concept of a content brief, a creative brief, which I have to tell you, I'm guilty of skimping many times. I'm guilty of that. You know, client wants it, you're rushing, client's paying you for X amount of hours, you're trying to get the most meat out of the hours they're paying you for. I'm very guilty of rounding that corner. So elevate that topic for just a bit, John. Why do you need to do a creative brief and give us two couple seconds because we get toward the end of the show. What makes a good creative brief? That all of the hard thinking has already been done. And that all the writer has to do is write. So what, if I had to summarize it quickly. <laughs> so what for the listeners, what would you say it would be a good tool for them to measure? Like you said, they, they go out and find the top articles in that particular niche or, and their goal is to beat that. What kind of tools do you use to find that information? Mostly Ahrefs these days. Nice. Uh, um, and, and the big thing I look for I mean, it's it's difficult. I mean, one of the things you have to consider is search intent. Yeah. I I look for articles ap approaching the same search intent that are ranking higher than they should be, considering their domain authority and root domain links, which is a very technical definition. Um, but to me, those those articles that when you strip away all the technical factors they're ranking higher than you think they would be that's a sign they're giving google and readers something that they really like and they need to be emulated interesting now a little bit controversial here some people say write for skimmers don't write for readers because of the increasing proclivity for people to not want to read or digest long content your take on that, write for skimmers or write for readers? It depends on the goal, which I mean, you've probably heard me say it depends a thousand times or at least a dozen times during this interview. But if I'm writing for someone 
who is looking for the 50 best nightclubs in Austin, Texas. That should be something they can skim. On the other hand, if I'm looking to write an article that makes them fall in love with me and my brand and remember me forever, then all all of that advice is gone. If you want to be able to get people to remember you forever and fall in love with your brand, you have to create intense emotion. You have to create, you have to give them advice they've never heard before. So it's entirely unique. Um, You also have to, in general, go longer and provide such incredible value that they can't help sharing it with people and saving it, bookmarking it. And that usually involves writing longer pieces. So most of my high traffic posts are over 5,000 words and they like fail the Hemingway test. And the, the reason why is because I'm not writing for someone who's just skimming and who wants a quick piece of information. I'm writing in that case to make people fall in love. And I believe there's a place for both. You just have to know which one it's the right time for. Now, here's here's another thing I want to add. You just said you wrote 5,000 words. How do you what is your key for keeping people's attention on a long form content like that? It's very difficult. It it comes down to skill with a few different things. Number one, you have to be able to weave together practical advice and stories. So the the stories with the emotional payoff are mostly what will keep people reading in a long post like that. And you have to be able to weave in and out of it. The other thing is something a good friend of mine, Carol Tides, called sweater knit copy. And the idea behind sweater knit copy is that no sentence should be able to stand on its own. So a really great writer who's really good at this, you will not be able to understand any sentence out of a post taken by itself. Huh. Um, Every sentence will add to and um, be driven by the other sentences around it. Wow, I like that. That's a really interesting perspective. It keeps the reader going, you know? Right. It does. It makes it very difficult to stop. I like that. Wow. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in long-form content because obviously it ranks really well. Yeah, but you you kind of have to future tense that question a little bit. And you, Robert, you spend as much time in analytics as I do. And, uh, man, I got to tell you, I think the social media-oriented society that we're in – is becoming more visual-oriented, becoming more bite-size-oriented. I think we're training people indirectly to ingest small-sized pieces of content. Now, if it's not showing up here in 2020, it's going to show up in 2021 or 2022, but I think that's where the trend is going, I'm afraid. I I think you're right about the visual side. Um, What I will say is that this isn't a new trend. Um, It's been seen before. So one of the things that, I mean, because I'm a geek about all of this stuff, I'm a history of other types of media. And one of the most interesting analogs to this situation is direct mail. So the greatest 
direct male writer of all time is arguably a guy most people have never heard of is Gary Bentavinga. Um, he's now retired. And Gary became successful by writing longer sales pitches than anyone thought would succeed. He eventually got to the point where he was mailing people 200-page books. That was his sales letter. And people said, how do you get someone to read a 200-page book? People don't have time to read 200-page books. Um, and he said, you're right. No one has the time to read it except the buyers. And that's one of the key points that, that I think is important to take away, even when it comes to social media. The people who buy from your brand are going to be the ones who you have built the engagement necessary for them to read an 8,000 word post or to watch a one hour video. If you don't have the influence necessary to get people to consume that length of content, I believe that you do not have a powerful brand and that ultimately you're not going to make much money. Yeah, a really great takeaway here. It comes back to the idea of value that you introduced at the beginning of the show. So great content has to not be something to everybody, but it has to be something very special to a small group of people. Yeah, especially if you want them to convert and to buy. And that brings me to, I know we're running out of time, but I do want to touch on this. You've, you've Over the decade, you've done over 200 million visitors to your blog. What are you doing to bring those people back? Are you doing some kind of a newsletter or or a mailing list, or how do you keep those people coming back time after time? So to me, I mean, there are a few controversial things here that I'll say. Um, to me, my opt-in rate, the number of people that are subscribing to my email list yeah. is a more important number than the number of visitors to my site. Amen. I believe... <laughs> I, I mean, I talk about numbers like that because they're big and they're impressive. Uh, but the reality is, I think traffic is a vanity metric. And, I mean, you can get 200 million visitors to a cat video and it's going to do you no good whatsoever. Yeah. Right. Um, so I actually pay more attention to the opt-in rate because that's a measure of influence. And it's also a way for me to follow up with people. So the first answer to your question is, I actually push very, very, very hard for opt-ins and to get people on the email list because from my research, um, if someone comes to your website off of Google and they do not opt-in in their first session, 85% of those people never return. That's true. Even if your content is great. So I would, I am willing, therefore, to annoy the hell out of every visitor who comes to my site to get their email address because if I don't, I lose my chance forever. Yeah. And the one, one last thing I want to cover uh, because I think it's important. What do you cons- – you, you spend a lot of time on titles and stuff, but what is a what is – is there a magic number on how many blog posts you need, you need to do on a monthly basis? No. 
I get that a I lot. Don't so I don't think there is. I mean, so here's here's the thing. I mean, I, I think you see examples all over the map. Yeah. I do think that in today's world, you are better off creating less content but making it truly special than you are cranking out a lot of non-special content. It's like you read my mind. <laughs> yeah, bring value. Yeah. Bring value. So, I mean, for me, I mean, what the crazy thing is, I mean, when I say that big number, 200 million visitors, and I mean, just when you look at my own posts, um, on average, I only write like one or two posts a year these days. Now, I'm the CEO of the company. Um, I have other, lots of other people to write blog posts, but also I'm only going to write a blog post when I believe there's going to be a huge payoff from doing that. Um, I believe that in today's world, it's better to spend, to, to write, I mean, one blog post a year and then to spend the rest of the time promoting that post and have 100,000 people waiting for next year to read your next post. That's who I would rather be than the guy who writes a post and you don't even pay attention to what when I release one. Well said, John. Some super stuff here during the show. Uh, it is now time for one of the most popular segments of Search Talk Live, and that is Believe It or Leave It. And we're going to give you three statements we found on the Internet, and we're going to ask you to tell our audience – whether they should believe it or whether they should leave it. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, here we come. Statement number one, from an SEO standpoint, if you have limited time for content creation, you are better writing guest blogs than content for your own website. Believe it or leave it? Leave it. Leave it, why? I would say, again, it depends. Um, it depends on your skill level. If you're an extremely skilled writer, write it for your own website. If you're not a skilled writer, then I believe you're better at guest blogging. Hmm. I've never heard that take before. All right. All right. On to question number two. You can monetize your blog content by having a pop-up with an offer for first-time visitors to your blog. Believe it. Yeah, it's funny that that came up right after you spoke so well about grabbing the people while you can't because you may never get a second chance. Yeah. No, so, I mean, the the number that we've seen across not only our sites but also student sites is you can very predictably tell how much a blog is going to make by the size of their email list. So a good baseline rule of thumb is a dollar per email subscriber per month. Wow. So if if you're good at, at monetizing your email list, if you can get a thousand email subscribers, um that's about a thousand dollars a month that that site can make based on that metric. Um traffic on the other hand, there is no way to baseline revenue based on, on traffic, not even with CPM advertising numbers. So uh yeah, email is huge if you want to make money. I'm going to have to retract a thousand things that I've said in some of my presentations now. <laughs> or start a blog. <laughs> <laughs> or start a blog, right? Okay. Statement number three, John, believe it or leave it, you should write for an audience 
with an eighth grade reading level? Leave it. Leave it. Now, that's a pretty popularly held opinion. Tell us more. Why do you say leave it? Yeah, I've had some debates with some very smart people about this. Um, Were they eight? <laughs> no. I mean, some of the, the top writers and advertisers in the world nice. will disagree with me on this one. Yeah. Um, I believe that you should create the experience that you need that you need to for the stage that your visitor is in in your marketing in order for them to move to the next step which is a very complicated way of saying um, when they're a beginner I think that's probably true but on the other hand if you really want to convert people um, you need to get more sophisticated with your content and not dumb it down. I think a good example is you wouldn't write for Forbes in an eighth grade level, right? True. Some, <laughs> some people would say yes. Um, I mean, I wouldn't. And I don't personally pay any attention to the reading level. And some of my most popular content has a very high reading level. But it's also designed to talk to people with a relatively high level of sophistication. Sure. Nice. All right. Now uh, it's time for Search Talk Live's Tattoo, sponsored by Pixel Cut Labs. Yeah. So, John, we're looking for some one piece of great advice, which is going to be tough because you've given a lot of great advice during the show. But if you had to distill it down – to one thing that you want people to remember about your counsel provided today, what would be your Search Talk Live tattoo? Know the purpose of your content before you create it. Pretty simple. A little, little long on the ink, but I think Robert's got an appendage that'll make that fit there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I, tattooable. I was going to say it depends, but thought that might be a jerk. Were <laughs> you saying that was my tattoo? I have that on my shoulder that, already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately that was put there by your surgeon, so that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for being on the show. It's been great, a lot of great content and information. Um, uh, is If someone wants to reach you on Twitter or, or get a hold of you or see your website, how would they do that? These days, it's hard to get a hold of me. Uh, but if you'd like more of me, you can go to Break Through the Noise, which is my new podcast with lots of very advanced stuff. Also, if you'd like to hire writers, you can go to writer.me, um, where we are showcasing some of my best students over the years. And if you'd like blogging advice, go to smartblogger.com. Nice. You know, and also, if I could, John, just direct people to uh, unstoppable.me slash life lessons, where I learned uh, so much about you and was even more inspired than I was after reading about you initially. So I'd encourage people to take a minute and go to unstoppable.me slash life dash lessons. Thank you. Nice. Well, guys, it's been our first episode of the year. We have many more booked up and we are looking forward and looking for new some more guests. So if you're interested, please contact me, Robert, at searchtalklive.com. Or you're interested in a sponsorship of the show, you can also email me there. 
Um, you can also hit me up on Twitter at Search Talk Live and uh, Robert at Search Talk, Robert O'Haver at Search Talk Live. Yeah, and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. Yeah. John, thanks so much for being a great guest and getting our year off on a fantastic start. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Search Talk Live is sponsored by the Robert Palmer family of companies. If you have questions for Search Talk Live or you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor of the show, email Robert at searchtalklive.com. That's searchtalklive.com.